You're listening to School Crack, Ireland's first and foremost Magic the Gathering podcast. I'm your host, David Wolf, and I'm joined here by... Kieran and Alan. All right, lads, how's it going? It's going pretty well. We're in a new era of magic. We got bands, we got new formats, we got a new set coming up. Cube is leaving. Very sad about that. And it is very stormy. Stormy Brendan. It is Stormy Brendan. It's a storm. Magic doesn't have a plot anymore, is what I understand. Yes. <laughs> but did it ever have a plot? Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, yeah. that's certainly the last time that we were on Terras, I think it did. Yeah, so what, what is that? So did they haven't, they're not doing short stories or they're not doing novels? No, they just did one article that was like a three paragraph summary of what happens on Theros and that's going to be it, I think. Well, what what they what they were doing during the previous season was they were putting these like literal paragraphs next to spoilers of whatever the card was that was relevant to the story. They'd be like, this is Elspeth's spear. Here's how she got it. Uh, in one paragraph and people were like is this seriously all the story that we're getting and then it turned out that no we also got yeah a, a single a, article which was basically just a, a summary it was literally called like Terros beyond death story summary um, yeah it, it's like it was like a wikipedia synopsis of like a story yeah exactly did you not read this amazing last line no i didn't <laughs> give it to me after a brief reunion with daxos elspeth planes walked away Calix looked on, his very being in agony. It was his purpose to return Elspeth to where she belonged, and now he could no longer reach her. But in his darkest hour, a strange idea sparked within him, and he simply planeswalked after her. Good God! <laughs> I feel like that sounds kind of familiar to me. I, I, I feel like that's a, a cliffhanger they use before. Yeah, simply planeswalked something. But it sounds like a meme. If I was Calix, <laughs> I would simply planeswalk after Elspeth. <laughs> What'll I do? How will I catch her? I know. I'll go after her. <laughs> then, I'll, then I'll catch her. Ah, oh, it's so poor. But I think I, I'd prefer having nothing over this because I think something I mentioned before was that like, uh, I, I, I just think the cards themselves between the art and the titles and the favourite decks do a great job of kind of drip feeding really kind of cryptic story to us. And I love the idea of like, you know, like a, a kid surrounded by cards in his room kind of trying to piece together stories and all the different cards. That's like, that's something that's something that I at least I did when I first started playing Magic, because uh, I think it's that I think I, I just love that character storytelling, which is something that the creative team have shown they're more than capable of doing. Um, like if you just like go, go looking through this the Thero spoiler, you can just you know take out some bits of fair text, you can kind of piece together what's happening in the story. I think uh, giving us a Wikipedia synopsis kind of uh, undoes how, how good the writing is. Here's, an, here's the paragraph you get about Ashiok. Ashiok's visions are more real than most, and in one of them, Elspeth seized Heliod's spear, Crusor. When the vision had passed, a twisted vision of the spear remained, dripping with darkness and power. Secondly, Ashiok learned of the Phyrexians' existence and promptly planeswalked away to learn more of these true living nightmares. <laughs> promptly planeswalked away. Simply and promptly planeswalked away. Gives you so much idea of the magic and power that these planeswalkers have. Jesus Christ. Teddy. Well, Phyrexian hype. That is, that is yeah, yeah, to be fair, yeah. Hopefully we have some good story stuff back then, because that is one of the coolest 
like parts of magic. I think the Phyrexian stories. Yeah. I mean, the Alkazi yeah. used to be one of the coolest, but not anymore. Why is that? Just because Battle for Zendikar was terrible. Uh, that wasn't really about Phyrexian stuff, though. No, I mean, so I, I said the Aldrazi used to be one of the coolest. Oh, I thought you said the Phyrexians used to be one of the coolest. Yeah, true. No, no, the Aldrazi used to be, but now they're not that cool anymore. Uh, but the Phyrexians are, are still cool. They're still cool. If I was Emrakul, I simply would have not got trapped in the moon. Exactly. <laughs> I'm assuming that they probably, like, had a novel ready to go for this and pulled it because of the pushback on everything that was done before. Yeah, that makes sense. It's possible, yeah. Yeah. Or like maybe not ready to go, but like it was in the middle of it was in the middle of being written. Possibly by Greg Weisman, who knows? <laughs> that might have been it, yeah. Oh god. Anyway. Like I were throwing him under the bus. And it probably would have been Greg Weisman's fault and it would have been terrible. Clearly him. He really should have planes walked away. <laughs> he can't planes walk away from any deal. So true. All right, just before we kick off here, I want to mention something that is uh, important, and it's uh, something that has happened in the Irish magic community over the last few days, um, and also relevant to the to the world magic community. But uh, uh, a, a local Irish judge—he's not actually Irish, but he's you know he's one of us. Uh, <laughs> Ollie um, has fallen on some hard times, hit on some um, mental health issues recently, and there there is a GoFundMe that has been set up to to help him out. And uh, I'll provide the link to that in the show notes as well. And basically, Ollie's just a fantastic guy. He's uh, a great person to learn about magic from. He's just like always so enthusiastic when he's talking about magic. Uh, he was there for me at a tough time when I uh, was DQ'd from the World Magic Cup. And uh, he had support supportive words for me. Um, I don't know anybody who's ever really had a negative uh, interaction with Ollie. So it's lovely to see the outpouring of like help and support that is coming in into that GoFundMe. Uh, so yeah, as I said, I'll link it in the show notes if people want to check it out. Yeah, just to just to put in uh, my two cents there as well. I, I would agree with that. Ollie was a big part, probably the main reason that I decided to become a magic judge. He kind of nudged me on that journey and I was definitely inspired by the way he treats people in the magic community, how welcoming he is. Uh, how he teaches people to learn the game, enjoy the game as well. Like even though he's been playing for, you know, just I don't even know how many years. Uh, he he still you know enjoys the game at FNM when he's playing sealed as if it was if you know his first his first month learning the game. Um, and you know I've I've had trouble with mental health issues and stuff in the past as well. And it is very tough to ask for help when you're on hard times like that. So I really respect Ollie's courage in doing that. So I just wanted to say that. Um, the outpouring of support, if you look at uh, the GoFundMe, will really just show you, you know, what, what people think of him, as Wolf said. There's people from all around the world donating, uh, judge friends, people who are saying, you know, they've known him for years and judge with him, people who are saying they've only met him once, uh, but they made a huge impact on him. So it's obviously doing very well. But if you, if you read the description of the GoFundMe, uh, Ollie is in uh, a place where I believe he's not an Irish citizen, so it's quite hard for him to access reasonably costed um, 
sort of uh, treatment. Um, so all the money, even though even though it, they've already reached their initial goal, all the money will go to uh, to great use. And if you have a few quid to spare, I would I would really appreciate you clicking the link. Yeah, definitely. Just uh, just you know, to hammer on on, on the points you made that yeah, you know, Ali is a great mentor. He's a great great friend and a great great player. He's also he's always a great presence. Uh, you know, in, in in the shop for new players for releases and stuff. Uh, you know, if if you if you play Magic at all, either in Ireland or GPs, he's definitely someone that likely would have interacted with. And I'm sure if you have interacted with him, uh, sort of experience, you would you would soon forget. So yeah, definitely. I hope things get hope things get better uh, for Ali and uh, hope that, hopefully this helps and hopefully you help. So as I said, I'll throw that link in the show notes and uh, on with the show. All right. Uh, so we're going to talk about these uh, remaining Theros previews. And uh, we're going to talk about modern bands. Very exciting. I mean, kind of. We all knew it was. Uh, it is exciting. I wish it had happened a month ago before I spent a month testing one of the worst modern formats in recent memory. But yeah, it's cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then we'll have a, a tournament report from Al uh, from a WPNQ preliminary, I believe. From two of them, two of them, um, a double, a double whammy, two for one. Obviously, a spoiler: he may be now whammy. sitting on the throne of Al Drain. Oh, oh, yes, two thrones. Well, I was going to say you, you must have uh, you 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 mustn't have qualified from the first one if you played two of them. You might think that, David. Um, uh, you might think that, but you'll you'll soon learn when I get into my report to see what really happened in the depths of Navin. Okay. <laughs> All right. And before we get into it, I'll just mention InkedGaming.com. They are the best place online to get your uh, custom playmats. You can go in there. You can uh, mock up your your playmat with uh, whatever sweet custom art you want. You can get that stitched edging, and you can get ten percent off your order. If you just go to inkedgaming.com forward slash skullcrack. Pretty sweet. Kieran, nothing bad. This week, I'm. Uh, I feel like uh, I've been helping helping the guys out too much with my additions to the ads. I feel like they need to take a break. You know, restock their inventory and stuff because they're probably sold out and stressed just because of how many playmats I've sold to this point. So I'm going to take it easy this week. Yeah, it's fair enough. Fair enough. They're they're running out of. Uh skin tone printer ink yeah exactly well if they're running out of stitchers i know a stitcher supplier they can contact he's a zombie you're off the podcast al <laughs> oh so many wonderful moments and we're only five minutes in uh all right uh so speaking of uh calyx to bring it back around uh he was the first card that was previewed on Tuesday, January 7th, which was the day after we recorded last time. So he is the final Planeswalker of the set. Uh, he is a green-white card. It's a Calyx Destiny's Hand, two green-white, legendary Planeswalker, uh, four loyalty. He has a plus one. Look at the top four cards of your library. You may reveal an enchantment card from among them. Put that card into your hand. Put the rest on the bottom in a random order. Uh, minus three, exile target creature or enchantment you don't control until target enchantment you control leaves the battlefield. And then minus seven, return all enchantment cards from your graveyard to the battlefield. So enchantment matters, Planeswalker here. Interesting, he has an O-ring on his minus, but you have to already control another enchantment. 
plus one gets you more enchantments. Minus seven brings everything back from your graveyard. Pretty narrow planeswalker here. Yeah, this uh, there must be time travel in the Theros story that got cut out because this planeswalker obviously time traveled from 2017 before they all got broken. Yes, a nice solid mana four loyalty planeswalker. It's yeah. cool. Like I like the design. Like you, like you do obviously need to build around this card quite heavily. Like probably more than most planeswalkers we've seen in recent years. I would say, except for like you know maybe the the, the vampire Sauron or the zombie Liliana stuff like that. Like you need a lot of enchantments in your deck for for this card to be able for, to use the plus one. Yeah, and only looking at the top four means that you know you you just have that much less of a chance to hit. Yeah, and the, like the loyalty is reasonable and stuff as well. The minus three exile creature enchantment. Uh, basically, you turn one of your enchantments into a banishing light, right? Until target enchantment you control leaves the battlefield. Yeah. So I think as you brought up uh, Wolf off mic, this is really good with the gods because they're indestructible, so quite a hard enchantment to get rid of. So, but I mean, four mana, a minus three, you would expect that to just basically be permanent removal on a four mana planeswalker most of the time. So the fact that you have to build around it that much and some of your enchantments maybe won't even be permanent removal with the minus three seems like weaker than average. Yeah, well, that kind of puts me in mind of um, the the four mana Vraska that's in standard at the moment that has a similar minus three and she gets left on one loyalty where she's like kill anything but convert a mana cost three or less. So it's kind of similar. This one is much more conditional because you 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 just have to have that that enchantment on the battlefield already on your side yeah this planeswalker in general seems like very bad if you're behind like if you're behind on board and you play this and you plus one to try and find something and you find an enchantment like what is an enchantment really going to do for you in that situation a lot of the time i know that's kind of a hard question to answer but yeah well yeah well what if that enchantment is like sphere of safety or something in Pioneer. What does that do? It's uh, it's like a thing that uh, I can't remember the name of the original effect. It it stops creatures from attacking uh, unless they pay unless the opponent pays X, and X is I don't remember. Let me check it. Uh, oh, number of enchantments to control. Number of enchantments. Yeah, X is number of enchantments you control. Yeah, and it's five mana. So it's like, yeah, you know, you have to, you, you play this on f- turn four, you find one of those, they kill your Calyx, and, you know, it's just like, it, it seems like you need a, you need to be at parity or ahead for, for this card to do much. Yeah. Which seems pretty bad for a Planeswalker. And the ultimate, you, I mean, it doesn't strike me as immediately game-winning. Depends what enchantments you're getting back, I suppose. Yeah, and you can kind of already do this effect with uh, Dance of the Mance in Standard much more efficiently and faster, and it can get artifacts too and turn them into 4-4s. Four mm-hmm. Yeah, I think there's, there's going to be so many situations where either, yeah, this, this Planeswalker does absolutely nothing, or if, let's say, if things do line up and you do have a god that you played out in turn three, you can use it as a permanent, uh, permanent banishing light or a permanent door ring. I mean, yeah, he's doing that, he'll be left on one. And uh, you know, like 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 so how often have you played Raskid uh, mind the secular best permanent and just you know knowing that she's going to die to the backswing because they might have a one one. It's uh, you, you, it's like 
it's 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 far more narrower than Nebraska, uh, but also with the same downside of, of being exposed that she has. Yeah, and Vraska hits uh, hits other stuff, hits planeswalkers and stuff with the minus two. Obviously, that yeah. card's just great. Like it sees a little bit yeah. of playing modern, some playing pioneer. This this card's not good, but I'm just trying to think of situations where I would actually want to put this in a deck, even if I was building around it, and it still doesn't strike me as good, which is a problem. Yeah, yeah. seems like a commander card. Yeah, it's probably fine there. All right, put it in. Put it in your Karametra deck or something. Ooh. Yeah, that would be sweet. Um, Idle Line of Obstruction. Could also put this in your Karametra deck if you wanted to. Uh, it's one and a white for an enchantment creature spirit. It's a two-one with first strike, and it says loyalty abilities of planeswalkers your opponents control cost one more to activate. This is very interesting. Yeah, I think this card's very good. I think it's just a 2-1 first strike for two is, is the right you want. Obviously, it reminds you of Thalia, has a taxing effect in the same way. Um, and I think this is something that's probably needed in Standard and in Pioneer to deal with three mana Planeswalkers. Like, I think Thalia... I probably wouldn't like to see Thalia in, in Pioneer. I think it would be a little too strong. But this card seems like a pretty good compromise. And the fact that it's an enchantment is nice too. I, I really like this card. Like, making them play their Teferi or their Narset or their Oko, if you're playing Vintage, like one turn off curve, is is a really big deal against like a Planeswalker deck. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, and, and those kind of Planeswalkers definitely lose a lot of value if you're, if you're losing a turn. Uh, a losing a turn for the devil. Yeah, this great card gives, gives White some reach against those Planeswalkers. And, like, it does mean that they'll probably have to play it a turn off curve. They can't just, like, probably play it and play it the turn before they want to use it and then just not use it that turn because it's probably going to be attacked considering the type of deck that will have this card in. Yeah, and a lot of the time I feel like with the way these decks are built now, that will just leave your opponent with no play at all for that turn. Yeah. Which is obviously excellent. So that, that seems pretty great to me. Yeah. Yeah. This is kind of laughable against fires decks though um i mean they have to get there first and like the way you beat fires is pressure them early too right so so getting to play a like a decent i mean it's only a two power attacker but it's 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 still like uh gonna get in for damage too yeah i suppose a lot of times like fires wants to play teferi on turn three i suppose so um but well, a lot of the ways that Fires is built in standard now, at least, is that they rely on Death and Clarion to, to sweep the board on turn three. So, obviously, Idle of Destruction, not great against that. But, you know, you can't have everything. Yeah, I mean, I think, like, you know, any, what white two drop is good against Death and Clarion, there just isn't one. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I guess, you know, it's like when, the, the way the way Fires actually had the game is by having, you know, the Blue Castle and just Crying every turn. So, you, you'll. Or make the, you'll delay that for a turn. If they don't answer this, yeah, you might feel they won't be able to do that, uh, you know, that uh, try to loop uh, with a play if they have any planeswalkers they want to use. Yeah, and if they played Fires turn four, they can't use a turn mana of, of a four mana planeswalker that turn because it'll get taxed even with Fires in play because they'll be tapped out afterwards. So it still slows them down on that turn. That's true. Yeah, that's true. Um, okay, so. From a white two drop to a clearly superior green two drop, we have Destiny Spinner, which is just an uncommon. It's a one and a green for a two three enchantment creature human. 
Uh, creature and enchantment spells you control can't be countered. And activated ability, three and a green. Target land you control becomes an XX elemental creature with trample and haste until end of turn, where X is the number of enchantments you control. It's still a land. Yeah, so this is one of those cards that, uh, you know, the everyone was moaning about online, saying, oh, green is bust. Green always gets the best cards. Why is this uncommon? Because even though it's so complicated, which is like kind of interesting, but it's whatever. Why do you care about that for gameplay? It doesn't really matter that it's uncommon because countering stuff isn't that good and limited. Uh, but like, yeah, this card is just excellent. Like there's very little downside to like putting this in your deck, at least as a sideboard card. And in like a green creature based ramp deck, it might just be main deckable as a mana sink late in the game too, depending on how you build it. This card seems very good. And a two mana two three is just decent against aggro as well. Yeah, yeah, it's great. It's it's just so much. It's yeah, like like, like I say, these are decks that want to manage, uh, and also don't want their big baddies getting countered. It's one of those things. Yeah, decent against aggro, good against controlling decks. So good card. And it's an enchantment if that's a thing. Yep. Also, be, making enchantments able to not be countered. Are we interested in that for any reason? Are there any pre-Theros enchantments that we want to be playing? Any big ones? Uh, Ooh, I don't think that's legal anymore, but sure. Pioneer. M19. Yeah. yeah, M19, yeah. Wilderness Reclamation. Oh, love it. Oh, that is great, yeah. Uh, yeah, a lot of, a lot of those four mana enchantments. Yeah, do that or flyers. Uh, you're probably not green if you're playing flyers, but uh, like, like a lot of say, like so, like the, the blue black decks would really struggle if a player can resolve a uh, yeah, would will, will just reclamation. So usually you have to jump through hoops to make sure you can counter it on turn four. But if this is on turn four, if this is on board, that can't be done. Yeah, it definitely puts the pressure on in that way. I mean, it just seems like a very solid card. The, at the very least, a sideboard card and probably main deckable for green decks that care about creatures, which is, you know, it's quite a lot. Mm -hmm. Yeah. All right. Uh, anything else from around here that you guys want to talk about? I'm going to move up here to Nightmare Shepherd. Yep. Cool with me. Yep. So Nightmare Shepherd is two black black enchantment creature demon. 4-4 four, four, flying. Whenever another non-token creature you control dies, you may exile it. You create a token that's a copy of that creature, except it's 1-1 one, one and it's a nightmare in addition to its other types. What 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 are the, some of the things that we said that we can do with this? Um, It's pretty great with like sack effects stuff like that right like it gives you a lot of fuel for like cruel celebrant judith stuff stuff like that mm -hmm. pretty good with like fen lurker um gray merchant of asphodel oh yeah oh there you go yeah so if you create a token that's a copy of it does it retain its mana cost or not yeah, it has the same CMC. Yeah. Okay. 
I don't know if that counts for devotion, though. Yeah, I don't I think, think it does. I'm not actually sure on that. I wasn't around when Taros was around last time. But yeah, other other ETB stuff that's around. Is there any kind of Chupacabra effect in Standard we could play at the moment? Mm, I don't know. I don't think so. Um... It's pretty good with uh, Midnight Reaper. Just like a little bit of value. Yeah, yeah. Draw a card, get a token. I don't know. I think it'll just go into those type of decks, type sort of anyway. Yeah. It's kind of annoying you have to exile it to get the effect, though. So that doesn't work with a lot of the recursive stuff in like the Aristocrats type decks. Yeah, that is kind of awkward. Yeah, you. I mean, I guess you want to be abusing the uh, Enter the Battlefield ability. And it's also just a 4-4 flyer for 4. Like, the stats are good. Is it good or not good with the Black-Red Titan? So if you have this in the battlefield and you cast the Black-Red Titan for just its, like, normal cost, not the escape cost, then it comes in and you sacrifice it and you get the, what is it, discard a card, and then if, if they discard it in non-land and they lose 3 life. So you would exile it then and then you get a copy that's a 1-1 one, one that gets that ability again, makes that trigger again, and then you can also obviously attack with it next turn to make it a, do it again. It's like, yeah, but you are, but you also have to uh, exile it from your graveyard, so you, you can't escape with it anymore for the rest of the game. Yeah, but if you're if you're getting the trigger like three times, that is maybe enough, I don't know. Yeah, yeah, no, I could see it, it could be a thing. But yeah, 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 sacrifice, oh, oh yeah, well, then you have to sacrifice the token though as well, that comes in. Oh, because it didn't escape. Yeah, it also has the ability where you didn't escape it, right? So it'll get sacrificed. Yeah, that's that's how it works. Well, you get it twice. <laughs> yes, but still get it twice or something. Yeah, I mean, it's <laughs> you're, you're not wrong there. Yeah. 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 I mean, they're kind of a non-bow to having the same deck together because if you want to be escaping, you have to not exile your stuff from the graveyard. Yeah. Uh, yeah, good stats on this card. I like this card. Yeah, I, I feel like there definitely is. Like, there's a whole lot of stuff that can do. You know, I feel like we've already scratched the surface. Uh, I'm struggling to think of more things. Um, like, uh, you have a new little log? Play with Hope, Hope of Giraper and Pioneer. Attack oh. with it, sack it. They can't cast spells. You make a copy that can attack the next turn. You can sack that. Keep them off casting spells for two turns. Pretty good. Mm. I'm reaching here. <laughs> <laughs> what if you hang on, hang on. If you cast a walking blister for zero, you get a one-on walking blister. That's true. And then you can do the helioids combo stuff without it dying. If you take all the tub counters off, you get more counters on it somehow. You gain life. Do you have this? And I'm making this up. I, I have done this true. Do you have this and Daxos in play? You play Welcome Melissa, it dies, you gain life. When the token ETBs, it's a 1 1. I'm assuming you have Helioid in play as well. <laughs> you're, you're already winning here. Yeah, you get a Welcome Melissa, that's 1 1. You put a counter on it. And then you can take the counter off if you have mana to give it like Link as well. Take counter off to 1 1 Welcome Melissa, and then get another counter. And you win. I'm in. We broke it. <laughs> I think you're, you're already winning in that situation, but not very sharp. 
Yeah, we might have to come back to this one. Yeah, this is tricky one. All right, let's go to Bronzeside Lion. Green white for a 3 3. I'm having flashbacks here. It's a. Uh, you can pay green white to give it indestructible until end of turn. And when it dies, return it to the battlefield. It's an aura enchantment with enchant creature you control. And green white enchanted creature gains indestructible until end of turn. And it loses all other abilities. The Bronzeside Lion loses the other abilities, not the. Not the creature. Yeah, so it's like Fleece Main Lion, but worse, I think. I think the monstrous ability on Fleece Main Lion was probably better. Um, how much did that monstrous ability cost? Like five, I think. I put one counter on it and made it hexproof. Is that what it was? Hexproof and indestructible, I think. Is it just hexproof? Hexproof and indestructible. Please, man, lion. Yeah, hexproof and indestructible. And it's monstrosity one. Yeah. Yeah, that's pretty good. Um. So yeah, I guess bronze-eyed lion goes in a slightly different deck. It goes in some kind of aura deck. Um. Or I yeah, I guess it doesn't have to. It can just go in a green-white creature deck and. Yeah. When it's when it dies, it comes and protects one of your other creatures. Insane. Yeah, it's pretty good. There could be like a green white tokens deck, and you use this to play uh, to protect your, um, you know, like your Amara, or your uh, what's the one that gets bigger for how many creatures you have or whatever. Oh yeah. Oh, no, that's that's gone. That one's rotated, right? Yeah. That was from Dominaria. Yeah, I don't know. It could be a thing. Yeah, whatever your whatever your key creature thing is. Yeah, like if you're somehow with a green white flash deck, I mean, you know, we have some flash spells and photos colors. Uh, you know, it's if you're just holding up the mana, this means it's never going to die, especially if you can use that mana at the, end, at the end of turn for something else. Yeah, um, yeah like you could like you have to the four mana wolf that flashes in, like yeah. you're protecting that, or march of the multitudes. Yes. Yeah, but then you're protecting, you're bringing it back and protecting a creature that's not very good. Then you, you could, it could have um, Trustani, I guess. You could uh, protect Trustani with it somehow, or I don't know. Yeah, my my wolf, my my wolf ambusher. That's called. That's one that's good to protect. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah. Uh, the flavor on the card is insane, though. Yeah, it's class. Yeah, it's really really cool. All right. Uh, right next to it here, we've got Shadow Spear. So if uh, Bronzeide Lion is getting you down, just pick up your Shadow Spear. It's a legendary artifact equipment. It costs one mana, equipped for two, and the equipped creature gets a plus one, plus one, and has Trample and Lifelink. And you can pay one, permanence your opponent's control, lose Hexproof and Indestructible once at the end of turn. You know what card this, good, this is good with? Walking Ballista. Questing Beast. Vigilance, Dead Touch, Haste, Trample, Lifelink, plus one, plus one. That's pretty great. A lot of stuff. It's all of them. All of the keywords. I think this will see play in Pioneer, is my first thought, as uh, for the Ensoul Artifact deck. Might be better than Ghostfire Blade. Hmm. It's legendary and the equip cost is high. But a lot of decks only play three Ghost Fireblade anyway, so I guess maybe, yeah. 
Yeah, like hexproof is actually a fairly common keyword in um, in Pioneer. And the Insol Artifact deck, I've been playing a lot of Soul Flare over the last few days in Pioneer. They literally can't beat Soul Flare once it has hexproof and indestructible, even just hexproof, really. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So I could see this at least being a sideboard card there. Yeah, can also be good against the Insol deck because they like to put Insol on Darksteel Citadel. Very true. Uh, important to note that this you don't need to equip this to have its effect. You can just pay two and then the effect happens. Pay. That's really good. I didn't realize that. Yeah, I thought the creature got it. That's that's actually better than I thought then. Yeah. Yeah, I think this, this might just be a great sideboard card for the Helioid decks that um, goes back to my idea of making a 1-1 Welcome one Blitzer with no counters on it. Uh, you, know, you can equip Welcome Blitzer, kick the counter off. It lets you, obviously, you know, combo off quicker. And also is good against Mirror if you want to make your opponent's Helioid uh, lose indestructible. And then, um, I guess, yeah, and, and it probably shores up a lot of matches, matchups that are bad for it. You know, it's sort of like, sort of like, like you're shoring up the, um, the Soul Flare uh, matchup, which I imagine will be challenging for that deck. Might also be a sideboard card for some decks. Again, like black-green decks could play this against like Lotus Field, and then it would let you be able to like Assassin's Trophy their Lotus Field. Or like control could play it, and then they could field of ruin a lotus field. Yeah. Oh my god! If field of ruin a lotus field, it's game over. Sick. Yeah, I mean, you still have to kill the thing after you activate this, so it's kind of like two cards to try and get rid of the lotus field, but it's kind of the only way to do it. Yeah, your opponent is left in the lands to play. Yeah. Yeah. Keep over. Although just playing a damping sphere kind of does the same thing and is easier. Yeah, that's true. I'm into this card. I don't know where it fits. Yeah, this, this is great. I like yeah. it. Yeah, I think it'll see play in, in Standard, too. I'm not quite sure where there, but yeah, I think it will. Mm-hmm. Deals Cheap artifacts are generally good. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Uh, what's her name? Emery. Oh, yeah. I don't know what that does, but maybe something. Yeah, I could see that. All right, uh, Thassa's Intervention. So this intervention cycle is pretty interesting. I, I like this one. It reminds me of uh, Supreme Will. So it's X, blue, blue, instant, choose one. Look at the top X cards of your library, pull up to two of them into your hand, and the rest on the bottom in any order. Or sorry, in a random order. And then the other option is counter target spell unless its controller pays twice X. So if you play this for one blue blue, then the opponent will have to pay two uh, to have their spell not be countered. And you would look at the top two cards of your library and then you can put up to two of them in your hand and the rest on the bottom. Um, the putting cards in your hand gets around Narset. Um, and then also a card like this, like one card that can either draw you cards or counter a key spell from the opponent is obviously perfect for control, and that's why it reminds me of Supreme Will. Yeah, I think this card is is pretty great. Like, um, yeah, Supreme Will, I think, is kind of the... is actually the best comparison, I think, yeah. Except for, like, it's it's a lot better late game than Supreme Will is. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you it's can great. kind of... I mean, it's worse early game, too. It's, yeah... It's interesting. You can, yeah. Once you're, if you pay four for it, 
I mean, realistically, they're probably never going to be able to pay four. So if you're paying four, it's it's essentially a hard counter. And also, the uh, the first mode is is dig through time-ish. So that's pretty. That's a nice comparison to make. Yeah, it's like I mean, at, at four mana, you get to just draw two. Like you don't get any selection, but you know, four mana draw two is kind of uh, on the edge of playable for standard, and it ramps up from there. So yeah, yeah, we, we saw plenty of four mana draw twos have have a yeah, you know, two play in standard in, in, in the past as well. And yeah, just having an endless stapled on is definitely what you want to have. Yeah, and plus, if you have something that you would rather be in the graveyard, then it's slightly better than four mana draw two. Like oh yeah, card, oh, no, wait, so if you go on the bottom, right? Oh, sorry, it's on the bottom. Sorry, I thought it was in the graveyard. Never mind. Reading the card explains the card. That would be sick if it was like that, and you could ramp up. You would dig through time, like take two and put five in your graveyard. You'd be like, "Oh my god, <laughs> god!" <laughs> All right. Uh, speaking of the graveyard, Elspeth conquers death. Three white white saga. It's rare. First step, or what are they called? Chapter. First chapter. Exile target permanent, and opponent controls with converted mana cost three or greater, otherwise known as the permanent that matters clause uh second step second chapter damn it <laughs> non-creature spells your opponent's cast cost two more to cast until your next turn this doesn't mean anything uh third chapter return target creature or planeswalker card from your graveyard to the battlefield put a plus one plus one counter or a loyalty counter on it so. yeah this card's awesome gonna be one of the best cards in limited i think it's just ridiculously Good and limited. Yeah, so good. yeah absurd. Yeah. I mean the the obvious uh, comparison is Eldest Reborn. Yeah. But it's pretty much better because, well, the first uh, the first chapter is better because you get to choose what it is that's being exiled uh, rather than a sacrifice. Uh, second chapter is probably worse because discarding a card would be better. Um, and then third chapter, you don't get to choose from the opponent's graveyard, so only yours, so there has to be something in there. I mean, it's like, I think it's probably just overall a decent amount better than Eldest Reborn. It's harder to cast, it's double white, but I don't think people in the Eldest Reborn decks they were playing would have had a problem casting it if it were double black. No. Um, like, non-creature spells casting two more in your next turn. Like, if you play this in like a white mid-range deck and you stop them being able to cast a Wrath that turn, that's pretty amazing, like... Obviously, that kind of only works if they top deck the rat that particular turn. So I guess it won't come up that often. Uh, I guess it's also when the second chapter goes off, that's like your chance to play your own big, big threat or big fatty, and then no one it's likely to survive a, a turn cycle. Yeah, yeah, very true. But yeah, you can just yeah, you could just commit to the board more with like multiple creatures that turn too. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Control. Yeah. So that's pretty good. And then, yeah, getting a creature or planeswalker back from your graveyard only, we should note, it's not like Eldest Reborn there. Uh, like, yeah, very good. You can also put a loyalty counter on, counter on your creature if you like. Oh, sweet. Or a plus one, plus one counter on your planeswalker. Yeah, very true. That's probably more useful, but what, less sweet. Right, so if you put, what if you put a plus one, plus one counter on 
uh, a loyalty counter on Nicole Bolas or yeah, Nicole Bolas Travager. And I flip him. Does he keep the counter? Uh, Nicol oh, Bolas yeah. exiles, right? I think. Oh, he doesn't. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So. Sorry, the on exile. Yeah, all, all the ones that come to Planeswalkers exile. So this kind of stuff wouldn't happen. Yeah. I don't know if it's specifically for that reason, but I, yeah, they exile themselves for some reason. Yeah, I think the Planeswalkers will all be left to put some put some counters on. I think it was. I think it was because they didn't want to have to deal with having tapped Planeswalkers because it would just confuse people. Or no, it would be it would be because they would have no loyalty counters on them, right? Oh yeah. They'd yes. Yes. Well, yes, well, I mean, they could still the ability could say add four loyalty counters to Jace, then transform it or whatever. But yeah, it's probably just cleaner to exile it and bring it back. Yeah. 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 All right. Yeah. That that uh that card seems very sweet. Um. Yeah. Also, just one more thing. This obviously the second ability is very much like a Lothar from Hearthstone. If you remember him. Uh, oh yeah. So, and so what, what people used him for was uh, it would be like set up a combo turn. So if you were playing this in some kind of combo deck that wanted to, wanted to survive to a turn six and do something stupid that you where you don't want your opponent to be able to interact with, that's what you should play with. Mm, yeah, I guess so. It also exiles a permanent so you, with three or greater, so you can exile your opponent's uh, three mana indestructible white god if you're playing mirror matches. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Oh, I, I see where you're going. Yeah, <laughs> what you said is much better than what I said. Yeah, <laughs> doing that and then also, also coming off. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, doing both. Yeah. Yeah. Seems potentially playable. And then you can return a zero zero walking blister with a plus one plus one counter on it. Oh my god. <laughs> so many ways to do it. Yeah, that does kind of fit, but it's five mana though, so. I'm being yeah, yeah. But I guess, I don't know, like, when you think about, like, you think about modern and you think about a five mana card, you're like, eh, I don't think so. But when you think about Pioneer, I guess, with all the bannings, I think five mana cards are probably viable in Pioneers. People play plenty of five mana cards, don't they? Yeah. 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 I mean, I think oh, you can play, there's all different builds for these uh, Wapalisa decks, you know, some of Abazin oh, and stuff, so being there is a, some, 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 the curves do go up to five sometimes in those decks. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, here's a card that is six mana, and it's Dream Trawler. And uh, this card is so, so sweet, and it's just what I want to do all day long. It's a uh, two white, white, blue, blue for a creature sphinx. It has flying and lifelink. It's a three, five. It says whenever you draw a card, it gets plus one, plus oh until the end of turn. And when it attacks, draw a card. And discard a card, it gains hexproof until the end of turn and tap it. Kind of like Ojedi. Uh It's kind of like Ojedi. It also reminds me of, there was a sphinx that did this. In or had similar abilities to this in original Taros as well. It's pretty good. So it's like a four or five on all eager turns at least. It, well, if it attacks, it attacks as a five five actually, right? Yeah. Yeah. And then yeah, it's it seems pretty great. Yeah, if you had any um like a if you have any wheel effects, discard your hand, draw seven. Cool. Are any overcosted of those that aren't 
There's the yeah, there is one people play. The blue white one. People played it in like the Nexus decks from from the it's like Azorius from Ravnica. What's oh, that yeah, called? Yeah. I don't even remember how that card works, to be honest. It's an instant. Wait, which one? The time twister from Ravnica. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. The seven mana thing? Yeah. Yeah. No, I have no idea what that, what that is called or what it is. <laughs> yeah, so you play, play this on turn six, then on turn seven, if you have to ferry out and what's supposed to tackle this, and then um cast uh, memory from the graveyard. Ooh. And you That's also have the locust god out, so you make seven one ones with haste. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So yeah, so you can discard it's a scar with memory uh, in the tax step. So it's in the graveyard uh, and it's SX proof. Alright, we broke it. Let's move on. Uh, turn 6, turn 7. Combo win. Nice. <laughs> Prognostic Sphinx was the Sphinx that I was thinking of from original. original. Oh, yeah. Uh, for those keeping score at home. Alright, what else we've got here? Labyrinth of Scophos. They reprinted Maze of Ith. It's like the worst Maze of Ith ever. Yeah, I mean, it, it's kind of it's not terrible. It costs five mana. Yeah. It makes mana. It makes mana, which is better than Maze of Myth, to be fair. So in a, in a way, it costs three mana. Well, four, four mana, actually. Uh, um, no? Well, you haven't got to tap it as well. <laughs> I mean, in terms of the mana you saved in the previous turns, why not play Maze of Myth? Oh, okay, yeah. All right, fair. Three to the five turns. No, I don't know where we're going to... <laughs> Claps makes one mana for each turn. On turn five, this is free. Uh, it also um, doesn't untap it, so you can't uh, target your own stuff and give them vigilance, which you can with Maze of it. No. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's shit. I mean, I don't think this card is playable. Do you guys? Yeah. No. Yeah? What? what? Definitely. Wasn't... I just think there's, like... Way better utility lands to play in like every color with the castles. Well, what wasn't there a flip card from like Ixalan that, that flipped into a land that did this and it saw play? I didn't see play. <laughs> People played it in the there was the um Time Street Navigator deck that played it. Okay, but the fog decks, the, the big I know that. Well, that fog, fog deck was terrible, that fog deck was not good. <laughs> yeah, 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 that's fair. Alright, well, how about a card that's actually good, such as uh, Shatter the Sky? It's two white yeah, this card is good. Yeah, two white white for a sorcery. Each player who controls a creature with power four or greater draws a card, then destroy all creatures. Wrath. Yes. Yeah, Wrath of God, except, well, it's Day of Judgment, right? Because they would have the regeneration, but yeah, who, uh, your opponent a lot of the time will get to draw a card. Sometimes you might get to draw a card if you have like a a god in play or something. And a load of creatures to turn on the god. Yeah, you're not going to get to draw a card too often in a control deck with this. Uh, Gideon Blackblade lets you, or any any Gideon probably. Yeah, true. Yeah. And like, if you draw a card and they, like, it's not draw a card for each creature destroyed this way. So if you, No, it's just a single card, yeah. Yeah, if you draw and they draw, it's it's fine probably. Um, I mean, it's basically just uh, like I, 
are you interested enough in not being black to play this over Kaya's Wrath, which is also a really, really good card? I think it might be, because if you wanna if you just want to cast Wrath in turn four in order to stabilize in turn four, um like you know, does does the rest of the text matter? No, probably not. Like what, you three for one them instead of four for one them? That's fine. Yeah, yeah. It's just are the control decks just not going to be playing black because otherwise you probably will just play Kaya's Wrath. Sure, yeah, yeah. The mana's so bad at the moment that that could definitely be the case. Yeah, potentially. Um, I mean, even there could be decks that you play this against that where the, the, the draw card thing is not triggered. Like if you're playing this against some kind of white weenie deck, they're, they're never going to get to draw that card. Mm, I mean, I presume they'll play like Heliod. Maybe. We'll see. It may not be a creature by then. Well, if they have enough stuff on board that you want to Wrath, it probably will be a creature. Yeah, that's true. That's true, yeah. Um, but I still think the card's very good. Yeah. It is great, yeah, definitely, yeah. yeah. I was going to say a black aggro deck, but then I remembered about Rotting Registor. Yeah. True. Yeah, I mean, uh, these, these aggro decks, I mean, you know, it's like the quality of their cards are going to be so much lower past turn, turn four, turn five. But like, if the card they draw is a one drop, but it's, they're, they're less likely to come back to the game. Yeah. Just because they're card, especially if they, you know, have to commit, have, they have to commit to the board in order to try and kill you if you are a slower deck. Yeah. Like, I think I won't see play in Pioneer just because Supreme Verdict is so ridiculously good. But it'll definitely see a lot of play in standard, I think. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. All right. Something else that we'll probably see a lot of play in standard. Wolf Willow Haven. Oh, I love this one. Oh, here we go. One in the green aura. Enchant land. Whenever enchanted land is tapped for mana, its controller adds an additional green. You can pay four in a green. Sacrifice Wolf Willow Haven. Create a 2-2 green wolf creature token. Activate this ability only during your turn. Yeah, so you can go like turn one in pioneer you can go like turn one lana or elf turn two wolf willow haven into another wolf willow haven turn three castle garen brig and then you have uh six mana on turn three. Oh, seven mana right no yeah six mana one two three four five six well if you had an elf on the on turn one then... yeah if you got the elf yeah seven yeah Seven mana turn three. That's Tron. You only need uh, five cards to do it. Six yeah, cards. <laughs> I mean, two of them could be basic lands, you know? Yeah. You can have uh, loads of copies of them. You are getting a lot of green mana with this, though, because it doesn't add one of any color. It just adds a green. Yeah, but like a yeah. lot of the ramp decks in Pioneer are, are already just mono green, so that seems fine. Yeah, that is true. Yeah, I'm excited for this card. And then the the five mana, sacrifice it, get yourself a two two, like when you've got nothing going on, that's something to do. You can maybe block something, or I don't know if both players have nothing, you can get in there, start attacking. Yeah, yeah. like I, I was literally saying, just just if you play a big planeswalker or whatever on turn four, and then you just get to on turn five activate it and make a wolf and chump block their one creature, That that's pretty awesome. Yep. Yeah, yeah. 
I think this card's very good. It'll see a lot of play in Standard, and I think in Pioneer also. Yeah. 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 And it's good and limited. Yeah, it's very limited, but like, Lambdas. This probably goes in the Calyx deck, if there is a Calyx deck. Yeah, cast your Calyx on turn three, I guess. Yeah, and you can use the minus immediately, because it's an enchantment. Interesting, interesting. Yeah. Do it now. What about uh, Metamize Prophecy? It's uh, one in the blue for an enchantment saga. Has four chapters. First chapter is Scry 2. Second chapter is Choose a Card Name. Third chapter is When you cast a spell with the chosen name for the first time this turn, draw two cards. And chapter four is Look at the top card of each player's library. So it's a draw two cards yeah it's a draw two cards on suspend two I guess I want a whole repeat let's go with it yeah yeah it's, you have to cast yeah but that turn. So. yeah you have to cast that you get to scry two right away so like that's something right away yeah that is good so what is with the last one the last chapter, look at the top card of each player's library. Yeah, I don't really get that. I, also, chapter two is like, choose a card name. <laughs> it's just so... Yeah, it's, it looks really weird. That that's that's yeah. all you do in that, <laughs> that chapter, yeah. Yeah, it's, yeah. I'm not gonna also, it's not, it's not much of a prophecy being like, <laughs> I predict that I will cast this card that's already in my hand next turn. It's also like, Chapter 2 is strictly downside, right? Because you're just telling your opponent what you're going to cast next turn. Yeah, exactly. You could bluff with it. That seems bad. I mean, that seems great. <laughs> you say, I'm going to pick Wrath of God. They're like, well, first of all, that's not in the format. I mean, whatever the new Wrath of God is called. And then they say, oh, well, I better not play my creatures out. And you're like, doesn't matter. It didn't have it. Not even playing it. I'm on a blue. But then you don't get to draw two cards. No, because it didn't. Oh, yeah, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Doesn't matter, you win. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, that's that's ultimate mind games right there. It is. That is that is definitely an Alan Harrison move. I I do like that. Because they're going to be thinking, oh well, he's already going to not name a card. He's going to he's going to draw. <laughs> he's going to want to draw two cards. Turning out doesn't doesn't matter. Already got loads of water effects. I think uh, that fourth chapter is to help you line up your next uh, Madoma's prophecy. Maybe. What else we got? Nothing? That's it, right? I think, I think that is it. I like uh, Illyrios and Raptured. Have we talked about that? No. Two, uh, so it's a, a legendary creature human, two and a blue, for a 2-3. Uh, ETB's tapped. Doesn't untap if you control a reflection. And when it ETB's, you create a 3-2 reflection creature token. So you get a 2-3 and a 3-2 uh, but you can't use the 2-3 until the token dies, basically. So that's a lot of stats for a 3 mana. Yeah, 3 mana, 5-5 in blue. Pretty good. I think that card's great. Like, there could be some kind of, like, sacrifice thing you use it for, or, like, you get to blink it and make more 3-2s or something. Yeah, that's interesting, actually, yeah, because the, the token is obviously not legendary, so... Yeah, it's really sweet. 
also it's very cool it's obviously uh the the myth of narcissus uh looking at himself in the water it's like cool uh just cool little flavor yep water doesn't have anything that's the flavor of water the, the the water in my office does it tastes really metallic and it puts me off a glass <laughs> all right i think that's uh, i think that's it for the spoilers previews rather uh, oh, yes that i'm super into this, this the everything here above that is just like the commons and uncommons from the last day yeah, I looked through all of this. I didn't really see anything that I thought was interesting either, I don't think. Omen of the Hunt, maybe, is the Nylea flash enchantment, and you get to search for a um, a basic land put on the battlefield, so it's like a three-mana rampant growth with flash, and then it has two and a green sacrifice at Scry 2. Maybe, it's okay. Obviously not with this audience. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I'm looking at I, this is pilgrimage my hand right now. Like, oh, I, Elysian Caryatid is good, right? Yeah, yeah. It's a one-one. Probably just worse than the elemental mana dork. Yeah, probably just worse than Paradise Druid. Yeah, worse than Incubation Druid. It's a lot of reading. Yeah. Lot yeah. Of two mana, two mana accelerants in standard right now. Probably worse than Wolf Willow Haven. Yeah, also true. In in another standard, in another time, another age, I could definitely see. <laughs> yeah, I think that's pretty much it. Like if you, yeah. Uh, what's if you could like cast a, a four drop or so, cast a yeah, cast a four drop on turn three off the Elysian Caryatid, and then cast like a six drop the next turn. That would be quite good. But uh, yeah, other better things to be done. So I'm pretty excited for Theros. This is going to be my first uh, pre-release at home. Oh yes. Going to show everybody what you're made of. Crush them all. Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's awesome. Class. I was able to go to a standard event. No, not standard. I played Pioneer recently. It was my first event back in the shop. I um, yeah, because I've been, I've been pretty busy, uh, looking for jobs, moving, and uh, I am now located in a secure location in North County Dublin. So, uh, <laughs> I'm able to venture out to events. But yeah, I went and played Pioneer. I played Blue Red Phoenix, and uh, I had an incident with Charter Course. Uh, no, I didn't. Uh, you did not, did you? I was like, no way. <laughs> I had an incident with Is Is It Charm, so I was playing the Mirror, uh, semi Mirror. I had Young Pyromancer version. My opponent had the Thing in the Ice version, but yeah, my opponent had uh, Narset out on the battlefield, and I was like sorely lacking for lands. So I decided that I would cast Is It Charm on my opponent's end step so that I would be able to draw one and then discard two with Is It Charm. But it was fine because I had like, I think I had two phoenixes in my hand or one phoenix and some other spells that I couldn't cast. Uh, so I said to my opponent, I was like, right, I'm going to cast Is It Charm on your end step 
I know that you have Narset out, so I only draw one and then I discard two. And he was like, um, yeah, sure. And I was like, right, so I just I draw one and then I discard two. And then I then I drew two. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> that really seems like you were trying to like Jedi mind trick them as well. Uh, Watch my hands. I'm going to draw one card. <laughs> that is so scummy. It's like uh, I thought you were going to say yes. I was playing against my opponents. It was a, it was a semi mirror. You know, I was really, I was really uh, for Lance, so I decided to cheat. <laughs> no. Uh, yeah, so I that is wonderful. I immediately called the judge on myself, and uh, everyone thought it was quite funny, and. Uh, yeah, so, and then also Dave asked me, so obviously the fix for this is to just like, because, so basically I saw, I didn't draw two, I, I drew one and then I looked at the top card of the library uh, as if I was about mm -hmm. to draw it. Uh, so Dave came over, Dave was in the shop and he was the, he was judging at the time. So he said, obviously the fix is to shuffle your library, just randomize it um, yep. and give you a warning or whatever. Um, but he asked me, to, he asked me, did I know the order of any cards in the bottom of my library? And I was like, yeah, I think I know about like seven or eight of them. So that was awkward. Um, so we had to go aside and I had to name them as best as I could. I think I had I had three randomly on the bottom that I knew what they were, but not what order. And then above that, I had four that I knew the order. Uh, so I did my best to name them. And then I think Dave took it from there. Nice. Okay, good. Yeah. It's a pretty good way to do it. Uh, just want to... Gotta say sh shout outs to Dave now. We have an accomplished and experienced magic player uh working in the local shop. So we're I think that means in general we're always gonna have decent fixes for issues like that that arise in, in the shop. Whereas before, you know, you might not have someone working there who was that familiar with magic, didn't know the rules that well. So uh, I think that is just gonna bring up the level of magic in the shop in general, which is nice. Yeah, that'd be... Yes. Uh... he will give you a lot of abuse as he does it, uh, which often does i mean only if you know him well yeah yeah it doesn't just you know, good caveat don't let abuse to random people that he doesn't know oh yeah yeah um yeah so there you go there's my there's my story of my first event back in the country well done yeah it's a pretty great story yeah um all right uh sorry i got sidetracked there but my, the, the question I wanted to ask was, how, how do you guys feel about Theros overall? Um, looking forward to trying Limited, looking forward to Standard, to be honest, both of them. Um, I think the like the Chase rares and Mythics of the set are powerful enough that they're going to make a big impact on Standard. I think it's going to open up a lot of new decks. And the Limited format looks cool too. There's a lot, a lot of stuff I haven't played with before, uh, like Devotion, Constellation, and it looks like combat tricks play a big part looks like you're gonna to have to be thinking a lot about playing around what your opponent has there's a lot of flashcards and stuff so it just looks like it'll be a really fun interactive format to me so i'm looking forward to everything yeah i can't wait to get started this limited set it does look pretty sweet yes that looks cool it is but can't wait for pre-release this weekend um hey. all right so we talk about the modern bands a little bit yes Okay, so uh, January 13th, which as of the time of recording is yesterday. We're recording a little bit late in the week because, you know, things, life, things get in the way. I started a new job. Uh, so, uh, 
what do we have here? So it's an announcement by Ian Duke. I, I don't know. Everyone was getting like hyped about this announcement, but I thought that there's no schedule anymore. So I was like, why does everyone know that this announcement is happening? Basically, just because the format was so fucked and like the last couple of weeks of tournaments, Oko and, uh, and Urza have just been so dominant that people just knew a change had to happen, basically. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, well, the expected change did happen. So Oko Thief of Crowns is banned. Uh, some unexpected changes also happened. Mox Opal is banned. So people have been talking about this one for years now. And Mycosynth Lattice is also banned. Um, so yeah. Wizards kind of taking a taking a hatchet to the format here. How, how do you guys feel about these? I'm not going to talk about the uh, what was written in the um, in the reasoning for the for the announcement because to be honest, I think it's pretty clear about Oko and uh, Mox Opal as well, and how Mox Opal will be will be um, potentially problematic in the future. And then like Cassin Lattice, they just said it's it's unfun as a lock piece so yeah i i'm pretty happy with all of these bands oko i don't think we really need to talk about much i mean it's it's just the best planeswalker ever printed it's 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 too good for too good for probably every format um mox opal i i gotta say i wasn't that surprised that this got banned i knew they were banning something from urza i didn't think they would ban urza itself partially because it's just kind of a cool mid-range card if it's not busted and it's the face of the Modern Horizons set and they don't want to ban yet another card from Modern Horizons at this point, I would say. It would just be incredibly embarrassing, especially when they have said they do want to do Modern Horizons 2. So that's not really much of a surprise to me. Um, Mox Opal, as you said, has just been on the watch list for a long time. It's like, it's just always doing busted stuff. It's like Affinity, when that was a top deck, it was it was... You know, I don't know if Affinity was oppressive back then, but it was certainly top tier. Like KCI, when that was the best deck, that was all about Mox Opal. Like these Urza decks, just just the same thing. Like like Lantern, when that was one of the top decks, again, kind of an unfun deck. Um, so everyone's known that this is the case. I get that Affinity players and stuff are, um, you know, Mox Opal owners are upset about this. I don't really have any pity for the people I saw moaning on Twitter today who are complaining that they just bought their Mox Opals like this month or bought foil Mox Opals or whatever. It's like, come on, you you really should have seen which way the wind was blowing at this case, in like uh, at this time. But, uh, but And like to, like the Mox Opal owners who've had them for years and years, I'm kind of like, you've had your time in the sun. You've gotten your value out of the cards. I'm sorry that people are losing such an amount of fi- financial value with both of these cards, but like the writing was on the wall. In both cases, I think. Yeah, definitely. That's a it's. it's you can definitely see these going a, a, a long way off, and I think uh, for I think the format will be a lot better off with ATs. Yeah, I think they can make some unbans in modern. Like they could probably unban Chrome Mox if they want to unban another card like it in the format. But like, I just don't think like degenerate fast mana cards generally make for good magic. They just like. When do they ever lead to pe- people having more fun? You know, like yeah. fast mana is just always unfun, and when it's broken, it's it's miserable. Yeah, that'd be. Yeah, to be honest, though, I I was surprised by this because I felt like um, I felt like Chroma or not Chromax, <laughs> Max Opal has has dodged the uh, has dodged a ban for so long now that it just felt to me like they wanted it in the format. They want like some amount of fast mana specifically artifact fast mana to be like a feature of the format 
I think they did, and I just think they no longer do. And to be honest, I think this is a fine time for it to go, you know? Yeah, yeah, that's fair. Uh, and then Michael Sintladis, Al, you upset? I, I, I'm a little bit upset. Um, I, I, I did enjoy one of my one of the one of the many pleasures of my life is uh, explaining to a new player how the Michael Sintladis lock works when they pick up Michael Sintladis and start reading it. I'm like, well, let me explain. And then um, I win. Uh, but like, it's well, I suppose thinking about it more, um, it, it does make a lot of sense to bandits. I think uh, if you know if these mocks up with X-ray taking hit. And the Oakwood actually taking hit, even if Infinity's taking hit, uh, you know, Tron will be very well positioned to dominate. And I think this is a, a pretty fair nerf to Tron. Uh, it doesn't it doesn't damage it, damage it too much. It kind of just yeah, certainly damages the current great creator package, which uh, you may or may not be still worth worth playing. Uh, but I mean, yeah, Tron could just go back to having a normal normal sideboard. It was already very powerful. Yeah, which I think is great. Like I like. Also, I think one of the reasons why Green Tron had to play. Karn the Great Creator in the first place was because of Eldrazi Tron and because of the Urza decks. Like the because otherwise you just get run over and the Stony Silence effect helped so much there. So with Urza Band, I don't think Tron Green Tron specifically is even losing all that much by losing access to the Mycosynth Lattice. I think I think Tron will still end up in a better place than it was previously. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And I think it's yeah, and like Oko's did pretty well against those decks uh, as well. Against uh, Mike Salatis or the other kind of artifacts that Aaron brings in, so uh, he definitely would have sort of away with the meta if it wasn't for wasn't for a nerf to his blue box. Yeah, definitely. All right, that's uh, that's the modern ban list. Uh, how long until Oko is banned in Legacy? Mm, I think it'll be a while, but. Like I don't know. It's been banned in a format at a rate of about once a month. I think we're going to slow down from here, but I would say within six months' time, I would say it'll be banned. Things tend to go slower in Legacy. But six months is that's actually faster than I thought. Yeah, it's pretty all over the place in Legacy still. Like people are playing it in Delver decks. People are playing it in combo decks. You can play it in control decks, like snow control decks, stuff like that. Sam Black had an interesting talk or interesting thought. Obviously, this didn't happen, but he was saying, um, I think Canister maybe mentioned this first, and then Sam Black kind of expanded on it that because uh, that people were talking about are they going to ban Astrolabe, and he said, why not just ban, unban Ponder and or Preordain so people like because Astrolabe is currently the best artifact or uh, best cantrip in modern and it's an artifact so it automatically leads you down that artifact path Where, whereas if you unbanned other good one mana cantrips it would give people more freedom to make different decks yeah that's an interesting point obviously not what ended up happening but i don't know could could at some stage astrolabe is still legal um one important thing to note is that veil of summer and once upon a time are still legal in modern two absolutely ridiculously busted cards from uh, from 2019 so i would expect one or both of those to be the next thing banned in modern and i wouldn't be surprised if once upon a time was banned you know, within the next two or three months Think of all the good decks now. Primetime decks, they play Once Upon a Time. Devoted Druid Combo plays Once Upon a Time. Infect plays Once Upon a Time. The Bant Snow Control deck might still be around with Ice, Ice Fang, Quaddle, and Stoneforge and stuff. That that could play Once Upon a Time. Tron plays Once Upon a Time sometimes. 
this is insane. I can't, I can't believe that that those two cards are still legal. I was like, yeah, yeah. All the cards from 2019 have been banned everywhere, right? Nope. You can still cast your Veil of Summers and everything <laughs> in in modern. Okay. I think Storm is going to be like pretty insane now because they're getting that ridiculous card from um, we didn't mention it. Uh, what is it called? Underworld Escape or something? Underworld. Oh yeah, o- Underworld Breach. I think it is. Yeah, something like that. Like that card is just obviously completely broken. So I, my my bet is now there's going to be a Teamer Storm deck that plays that and just plays Veil of Summer and stops its spells being countered or some some stupid crap like that. Wouldn't be surprised. Yeah, could be. That is pretty stupid, but that probably will happen. Yes. But yeah, I think Modern will definitely be in a better place after this. But once upon a time, is is going to be make the format still too homogenous. Mm-hmm. Um, they did also mention Pioneer in this article just at the end, uh, talking about how they are aware of the Heliod-Walking Ballista combo, but they're going to stick with their guns of... Um, what's it called? Of um, not banning things in Pioneer until they see what's going on. Um, basically, they're just going to wait and see. Yeah. I quite like this ma- announcement. Um, obviously, they just don't want to like they've like it was so embarrassing for them. Obviously, when they have to do these kind of emergency bans and stuff, even if it's in not in standard, if it's in pioneer, so they're willing to take a risk that they're obviously pretty confident that it's not busted. Because um, the way they worded it was like we've seen the community's excitement at this combo or something, which made it seem like they had considered it, and they're saying like, oh, the community thinks this is good, but we're pretty confident that. It's not broken, and they're obviously willing to risk a weekend of players tour coverage, which is going to be pioneer in Brussels. That uh, that it's not just going to be ballista dominating everything. So seems good to me. We'll have to wait and see how it turns out now that the the Theros is coming out. Yeah, Alan, can you share any any thoughts on testing this? Did you actually go and test it, or I don't know? Yeah, I, I tested a little bit. Yeah, um, I think I tested a few different, different versions. Uh, one one now is a uh, Dubai kind of flash kind of version. I think it's. I mean, I feel like it isn't necessarily uh, you know an automatic win the game kind of combo because it does take some setup. You know, I think most common, unless you're including extra cards like you know something like Radiant Phantom or something, uh, you really are setting up turn four, turn five to win. Uh, so I think you want to be feels like you want to be in a deck that is doing kind of otherwise fair mid range stuff or kind of controlling stuff or tempo stuff with this kind of I win I win the game kind of combo. In the back, so I don't think it's really kind of probably going to go all in on. So maybe that makes for a more fair kind of game. But I think it's, I mean, I'll, I'll just be testing that on the next phase or a few yard matchups. So I think once uh, Thursday comes around and uh, these go magic online, then we'll really see, we'll really see where the blisters walk. Uh, yeah, like the thing about this combo is like obviously I've I've talked about it before on here and, and said I think it's gonna be very good. There are a ton of ways to deal with the combo, you know what I mean? Both in terms of just play removal and there are a ton of sideboard cards to deal with it as well. So there are answers. Yeah. Yeah, so like mono red um can play lots of things that stop people from gaining life and uh, Kieran, you're into Soul Flare right now. I think Soul Flare is a pretty good deck, and I think Soul Flare can kill uh, that Heliod deck before it can get its stuff online. 
and it does probably doesn't have any way to deal with uh, a resolved soul flare that's massive and flying and double strike trample haste whatever yeah they can cast yeah. like saddle or wreckage or something that's about it yeah that's really pretty helpful um yeah so like and also if you play like soul flare like you get to just play a bunch of thought seasons in the sideboard as well and probably find more sideboard cards if you need them and i think every deck is going to be like that i think blue white control decks are going to have answers i think black green mid-range decks you know are going to have a bunch of thought seasons they can they can find other answers as well like white decks can play solemnity as you said you can play cards to stop people gaining life you know you could play um what's the red guy where you take it's one in a red. You take Harsh Mentor, one of my favorite cards that was completely unplayable at standard. Take two, whatever you activate an ability. Uh, yeah, it's okay, I guess. You know, it's just you can think of a ton of answers. So the combos have to going to have to be very, very good to be oppressive, yeah. just because of how easy it is to disrupt. But as you said, Al, you know, if it's just always your backup plan and you have a good deck that can win without it, that's the scary idea. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, that's that's where that's where I would I would be in Brussels and yeah, having stuff like uh, having stuff like Sephiroth or or it's very to, to kind of combat against uh, all of those kind of strategies you mentioned. Yeah. Did you see the blue white list I linked earlier that uh, I think Autumn Burchett had retweeted it? Um, someone had taken one of their older decks and just basically added the combo to it, but it was like Emery and Tashar and stuff like that, blue white deck, and you're just playing like Hangerbacks and Ballistas and Mox Ambers and Renegade maps and stuff, and it's just this kind of like grindy blue-white artifact recursion deck that can just eventually win with with Heliod and Ballista. But like you're just casting bigger ballistas and hanging back walkers and stuff the whole time without that anyway. Like that seems like it could be good. Yeah, and I I like that approach as well, definitely. I want to give that a go. Yeah, that sounds pretty sweet. Um yeah, a lot of ways to to build this potential combo deck and uh we'll have to see from those few weekends of, of GPs and players tours, uh, what is the correct way? Hopefully, we find it before other people do. <laughs> um, is, there, is there a Pioneer GP before we go to Brussels? There isn't, right? Where It's the first one, I think. Brussels is the first one, maybe. Uh, I know that there's... So it's like three consecutive weekends. Um, is it three or maybe it's two? It could be that Brussels and Nagoya are on the same weekend. I know that there's one in Japan. I think that's right. I think that's right. They might be the same weekend, and then the next weekend is the one in the USA. Um, yeah, I think that's I think that's what it is. Yeah, so it'll be exciting to see. At the moment, I'm pretty happy just testing the current decks in the format and and getting used to the playing against the field. Uh, like even if Heliod is busted and stuff, and I decide to play that, I think it's going to be very useful to have the experience that I'm putting together against all the other decks. Because not everyone's going to show up with a Heliod deck, you know, even if it is busted. So it's a brand new format. People don't. People are just have the cards. They want to play their pet deck at this at the in this new format. So exactly, yeah. yeah. You're, you're, and because because the format's so wide open, you're going to play against all sorts of nonsense in uh, on day one. Uh, so you might yeah. have to speak, uh, you know, deck, uh, you know, deck against uh, Heliod. Well, you know, if you're not in the bitter bracket, you're not gonna, you probably won't see it. So I think even if, even though this is deck that will be on everyone's radar, I'm still happy enough to play it at a very big tournament. Um, let's go. Push our way through. All right. So, Al, do you want to give us the lowdown on your tournaments that you attended? Oh, yes. So uh, I went to, um, Went to Navin, uh, Real Games in Navin for a uh, what is it called? Prelims, WNWPN, W Play Wizards Play Network 
uh, prelims. These are qualify for the WNPQ. NPQ Wizards Premium Play Network. The PTQ. There's a PTQ in two weeks. And this is to qualify for it. Uh, so this is so this was the third and fourth prelim. Uh, there's two more. There's two previous ones. Uh, last few weeks, uh, they were in their format with Pioneer. So you no, know, whatever it was sixteen or so people from those qualified. Uh, so this was either two more tournaments, two, two standard tournaments uh, to qualify for the same thing. Uh, I so I, I played like very very little standard even if you dig into this. I just went on the goldfish just grabbed the first um the first joint sacrifice list I could see. Uh, and the joint sacrifice list that I picked just happened to be really kind of tuned for like a lot of metagame or a lot of uh, mirror match and lots of kind of strange one ofs I had uh had the what was it called? Had had the tree the tree drop giant. Oh sorry the the the, the Avenger Giant, the ramps, uh, fertile footsteps is, is a spell. Uh, I had that, which was strange. I wasn't sure about that, but it was a card that kind of worked very well, I think. Yeah, I think it works very well in the deck. It fixes your mana, but also because the land comes in untapped and you always have, a, you have so many one drops, you're always using that extra land, you know, on turn three, which is uh, pretty nice. Um, so yeah, I see that up. Uh, Dermot was, yeah, so there's eight people right there. So, so you know, easy top eight. Uh, so we all qualified. Uh, so uh, the so the, so the top prize for first place was the 50 euro voucher for uh, real games. So we we're all paying for that and also paying for glory. Um, and for glory, oh boy, did I, did I play for, for glory? Um, so, uh, yeah, so round one, I played against uh, Green Black, uh, uh, Green Black with Green Check. Um, so that was kind of, it was pretty close matches, but one of those things are you know, once the Jund deck kind of you know, gets a grind, it's pretty well. Uh, round two, I played against uh, Amy Sharpson, this sort of podcast, friend of the show. Uh, he was playing a uh, an is it draw two guard is it, is it draw two deck which was something that I felt like I really struggled with. I mean, game one he just completely ran me over. We had some pretty close games, game two, game two and three, and I eventually got there. But I think that definitely is a tough matchup for for Jund. Uh, and then uh, round three, uh, I was against Pablo, another another friend of the show, and then we uh, decided to uh, ID and uh, split the prize. Uh, so it was, it was a pretty short tournament, and we kind of hang around a little while waiting for the next tournament. Uh, I guess one one humorous thing to note that there was a judge call on turn zero of round one of this tournament because somebody uh, cast um once upon a time and then uh, we said so judge said oh well so this this card is banned in standard and the guy said no I checked gatherer last night and gatherer said it wasn't banned oh for fuck's sake legal. really and oh we my checked, god we checked gatherer there and then and it said it was legal I don't know look at gatherer now says it's banned but uh, <laughs> it definitely said it was legal at the time. Did he, get a, did he get a warning for that, even though uh, Gatherer was correct? I would be tempted I, I, to not even give a warning in that scenario. Yeah, I, I think there was no warning given, but uh, was you know, whatever the actual deck, deck list fixed, uh, whatever that was. Um, but yeah, I, 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 I wasn't paying attention. To, I wasn't paying that much attention to the, but uh, it was definitely quite easy. Well, um, I, believe the, I believe the fix is you have to replace it with Adventurous Impulse from Dominaria. Oh. Also not standard legal. Um, yeah. Was it was the person who made this mistake someone who should have known better, or I guess not? I think it seemed to be a player who knew um, a lot about Magic. Uh, probably wasn't playing very competitively, but like you know, seemed to be seemed to be playing for a while. Okay. So uh, it so it seems like it's someone who might have been dipping out of standard for the last few years. Uh, you know, throwing a deck together for this, maybe possibly looking at an old deck list. Uh, might have heard that once upon a time had been banned uh, in in Pioneer. Double check to see if it was playable as standard, and saw that apparently it was. Uh, it was it was, it was really kind of the the perfect kind of player for something like this to, to fall for. You know, it's like someone who who was at, you know adapted enough to the game to go and check, uh, but maybe not just you know up to date every week with uh, the goings on goings on. 
in uh, Vanus. That is very funny. To be fair, no one's been playing much standard recently, so can't really blame him. <laughs> I mean, that's it. Exactly, yeah, yeah. Uh, so the second tournament, I so because my deck was so strangely tuned, uh, I decided to make some changes. Um, so I tried to deck though, but that's right, I was right there, second deck list. Uh, that was something I made a balls of. So during round one, uh, it was noticed that I'd only registered 59 cards, even though I was playing with 60 cards. So the fix there was um, a game loss of my next round, and uh, you know, to put a basic land in, uh, you know, to, to, to make, put a basic land in, uh, in place of the card that I was playing but not registered. Um, Wait, did you only register fifty nine on the on the deck list? Is what happened? on the deck list? Yeah, yeah. Ah, gotcha. yeah, so okay, it was, yeah, exactly. It was, it was stupid. I think I, I, what, I, I what one did you miss on the deck list? Was it I think one? it was like I was no, I was a split, so it was like a, I had um, I got what was it? So yeah, so the version I was playing had two trashing two trashing runs on in the main and one inside. Uh, I thought it made more sense in meta to go uh, one of the main two inside. Oh, sorry, just was sorry, just one of the main one inside. Um. Well, oh, so I, you, yeah, uh, that's, that's something that I was intending on doing, but um, I had to. Uh, my my deck was a pseudo. Uh, then I only had to register one. Yeah, so it was, yeah, so it was, it was stupid on my part. So I was kind of so I was going to round two with a game loss uh, and with a unauthorized deck, you know, with an extra land, uh, and then I was against Pablo. So um, I was just blessed by having an absurd, like, actual perfect curve in game one. I went, uh, I was on the play, so I went yeah, turn one. Um, yeah, turn one cat, turn two the Wolven, uh, turn three uh, the the Devil Mayhem Devil, which is just doing six damage every turn and draining two, pretty pretty absurd. Um, so then, but that's very quick game one, and then our game two was very very long, a really good game. Uh, sorry, Pablo was playing. Uh, what was he playing? He was playing a. Oh no, it was a very good. It was very close games. Can't believe how it was. It was green white. He's playing, he's playing a green. Uh, sorry, green blue flash. Um, so it was like really, really close, a uh, very, very long grindy game. I was end one life point, one point, slowly came back. Uh, so it was, it was kind of, even though the game lost, uh, you know, it, the, the match was always just going to be, was always just going to be those two games anyway, because it was a very quick game one and like an almost, you know, 45 minute game two. Uh, so eventually won that and that was great. Uh, I was feeling very, very confident about myself and I was like, you know what, I'm not going to ID round three. Um, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to play for all the marbles. Uh, but then it was kind of late at this point. So we decided to go home. So I, I did. Um, I did the final round as well. So I won everything. Won the whole damn thing. Got two cryptic commands and two places, two places in the PTQ in two weeks. So congratulations, first of all. But uh, it's quite annoying to me that people who have already qualified can continue to play the preliminaries. It is, yeah, yeah. Um, I think it's it was something that we that, that they had checked previously on, on previous prelims, and it's something that can be done. That players can, you know, quote unquote steal places uh, at the prelims. Well, I suppose in this place, in this case, like the the, the four prelim just wouldn't have fired uh, if it wasn't for this this rule. Yeah, like I think the idea behind the system is to just get players going back to the same store. Whereas previously under the PBTQ system, people would only go to a, a, a given store once per season, right? Whereas this means that every store gets gets regulars coming back multiple times. So I think Wizards are looking out for the shops in this case, even though it might be slightly less fair to the players. So I'm kind of okay with that because Wizards needs to, needs to make steps like that to, to help out the LGSs. 
Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, I, I can see that side of it. Well, I, I, yes, that that does sound positive, but at the same time, this structure for WPN W yes WPNQs uh, is not mandated by Wizards. It's one of several available structures that the shop can decide on themselves. Right, but the idea of the shops running multiple prelims and then, you know, essentially a PTQ, I mean, uh, like, it's just kind of obvious that's the way the shops are going to run it, right? I suppose, yeah. Um, but they don't have to run it like that. They can just do a single WPNQ if they want, I believe. I, I th- There might be a cap on how many players can attend it or something like that, and that's why they do preliminaries. I don't know. Um, I, think there is, I think there is a cap, actually, yeah. Uh, I know for like PTQs, there's a 128 player cap. Um, so I'm not sure about that. Uh, I mean, furthermore, I've also heard from anonymous persons that uh, any difficulties that have been had in this WPNQ season where like stores don't know what to do exactly, like such as that question of can people who have already qualified for the WPNQ finals through the through an earlier preliminary play in later preliminaries the response from wizards has been uh do whatever you want we have no idea oh i don't know if they 100 percent care or they're just like we're gonna put it in other people's hands as much as possible yeah i think that's fair and if that's the case that's not great but i guess i'm still happy enough that it kind of works out well for the stores yeah, I think I think it is fine. And look, it's it's more events to play, so it's like, uh, like you said, it's a way for players to kind of stay engaged and keep going back. So that that is good. And at the end of the day, you can qualify for the players' tour in Ireland, which you haven't been able to do for a long time. So um, even though I know the players' tour is not not quite the same level as what people see the All Pro Tour as, but I mean, for me, it's close enough. So that's fine. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. And also, I'll just note that uh, if you look at the Magic Online uh, prelims recently as well, in terms of PTQs, you may notice some uh, slightly banned players also putting up good results in those, which annoys me a little bit more, to be honest. Yeah, that's another <laughs> slightly banned <laughs> term, but yeah, that is a uh, definitely another thing that could be addressed. Yeah, seems like it would be an easy one, right? Especially if the player uses their real name as their moto name. Yeah, yeah. blatantly. Not, not naming names here. <laughs> the player has named themselves adequately enough. <laughs> yeah. And it's no longer a Yu-Gi-Oh player, 1998. No. No, exactly. Uh, all right, well, I suppose on that note, we will move towards the end of the show. Um. Before we go, again, I'll just mention inkgaming.com. If you head over to inkgaming.com forward slash skullcrack, you can uh, put in an order for your all your gaming accessories that you need, like your, your dice and your playmats especially, which you can get some lovely custom playmats there. You can just upload your art, crop it, do it whatever you want with it, I don't know, whatever floats your boat. And uh, I'll just keep, keep harping on the stitched edging because it just makes it easy to pick up your cards. You know, it's, it's, it's nice. Uh, You'll no longer have to uh, have to be sad about cutting your fingernails because you like having that little bit of nail to pick up your sleeves. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Important. If someone shows up in front of you at an FNM with a stitch playmat, you're gonna think, 
whoa, this person is an absolute baller. And uh, That's true. I would think that. Otherwise, so uh, head on over to inkgaming.com forward slash schoolcrack and uh, you get 10% off your order. You can also just click through in the show notes. I'll have the link there for you. Um, yeah, so if you want to just get in touch with us, you can email us at schoolcrackpodcast at gmail.com. You can tweet at us at schoolcrack uh, on Twitter. Uh, schoolcrack is spelled like the name of the show, uh, not the name of the card. S-K-U-L-L-C-R-A-I-C. And uh, you can also tune in on Twitch. Kieran's been streaming a lot on Twitch. I'm hoping to maybe start doing it sometime soon, but I'm having issues with my PC. <laughs> uh, so yeah, definitely. That'd be great. Yeah. We're like, yeah, we got to get those viewer n- viewer numbers up, guys. Things have things have been falling recently. My subs, my sub numbers are down. <laughs> it's terrible. Subs. Um, we do have a couple subs. I think we have like, I think we have like ten subs on the channel now or something because someone gifted a few subs out. It's very nice of them. Someone gifted me a sub. I was like, wait a minute. <laughs> yeah, I think that was I think that was Ghost Club. She uh, she gifted a few people subs. Yeah, Shout outs to Ghost Club, friend of the show. All right, where's that money at? Is that resting in your account, Kieran? I actually have no idea. I haven't even checked. You get you got like two dollars per sub or something, so I don't even I don't even know to be honest. That, that's I funny. Going... <laughs> yeah, that's true. Huge. I think it's good. I think it's going in and out of my PayPal account as I pay for mana traders or something like that. I'm gonna have to look at look it up and see where the money is. <laughs> that's fair, that's fair. I mean Twitch takes yeah. that money. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense for it to fund the actual stream, so that's fair. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. no, I definitely split it with you guys. I just don't know where it is. It's in Lourdes. <laughs> uh, all right. So that is going to do it for us this week. Thanks for listening. Bye-bye. 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 In front of me, a guide to ancient Greeks, ancient Greeces, monsters and creatures of Greek mythology for children. And I thought this would be a great chance to pitch the lion against the wolf, or I guess in this yeah. case, the uh, oh, I, 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 I've butchered this already. Um, some kind of Greek mythology equivalent of a lion versus a Greek mythology version of a wolf. What are those? We don't know, but we'll find out as you guys uh, answer these riddles. Um, gotcha. All right, so I've I've uh, short descriptions of all of these uh, creatures, uh, written very simply for children. Wait, wait, hold on, hold on. Can I just say that I think I have a leg up in this because I'm literally at the moment I'm reading Stephen Fry's Heroes, which is all about Greek mythology. So, uh, yeah, there you go. All right, all right, calm down, book boy. All right, well, well, how you do? I I don't know anything about it, but I'll guess my best. <laughs> I I watched Disney's Hercules like at least fifty times. Uh, as an adult and a child, and uh, I didn't know some of these, so um, we'll see. So I'm just going to start. I mean, the best I think the best way to do this. I I never have a pen and paper handy when I need one. Um, I'll a pen here. I'll just write me back something. But I will uh, start naming. I'll start, I'll start reading out these descriptions, uh, and then once you know what it is, just interrupt me and say the name of the creature. Uh, I'll say blank instead of saying the creature's name. That's fair. Yeah. 
Okay. All right. Are you ready? Fingers on the buzzers and the microphones. So the blanks were half man, half horse creatures. Your upper half? Centaurs. Centaurs. That, that wolf? No, I said it first. I think, I, think that, I, I heard the noise. I wasn't sure if it was you, Kieran. Yeah, I said it first. Grand. That's grand. That's grand. Okay. Oh. Yeah, maybe it doesn't work very well with microphones. Cut each other off. Um, okay. Maybe, let's, get, maybe let's do it uh, one by one, I guess. Or, yeah. Right. Are, are they easy enough that that won't work? I think it is. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, I think you are. Yeah, I don't know if you read the whole thing out. Um, okay, we'll both just shout really loudly. Yeah, okay. That'll be great for the listeners. This is great for Take your earphones off and listen to this on the most out loud. All right, next one. The blank was a giant tree headed dog that guarded the gates Cerberus. of the underworld. Yo, there we go. Another one for Kieran. Wolf is too slow, or maybe he's lagging. Listen. It's, it's, it's an inherent fault of the tournament. Structure. <laughs> it's, the, it's the technology. It's because. The way the podcast recording setup is configured is that whenever you are talking, it cuts my mic in order to uh, in order to stop. Oh crap! Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Right. I say if you um, uh, when I say three, you and Kieran both say something because I think your names your names go green on Discord, and I can tell if you said it first. All right. One, two, three. Uh. Oh wait, I didn't press it at all. <laughs> okay, try it again. One, two, three. Uh. No, I can see Kieran is slightly quicker there, okay. even though I only heard Wolf. I, I hear. Yeah, but could could you hear both of us though? No, but no, but I can I can know who's. Oh yeah, that's right. Actually, it doesn't help if I hear the answer. All right, I want to take turns. I want to take turns. Okay. Okay. Um, so I, I'll give these next two to Wolf, and if he doesn't get them, pass sure. them. Yeah. yeah. All right. Oh, these are the hard ones. All right, Wolf, uh, Mister Bookboy. Uh, Blank was a sea monster that took to, that took the shape of a giant whirlpool. Any ships that came near Blank were pulled down to the bottom of the sea. Ships that passed through the Strait of uh, of Messina, 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 had to either had to pass by blank. Oh, I did know this, but I don't know it. <laughs> oh, if only we did this tournament back when you knew it. Yeah, here on. Um, is it Poseidon? It is not. No, this is this is a uh, Charlibidis. Charlibidis. No, Charbidis. It's C H A R Y B D I S. It's Charybdis. Power of this. There we go. So I guess Wolf did know it. <laughs> I can't pronounce it. Well, that, right, um, that was in the uh, that was in the prequel to Heroes, which was Mythos, uh, which I read last year. Oh, if only you read it sooner. Or yeah, yeah. that's so long ago. <laughs> All right, uh, another one for Wolf. Um, easy one. The blank were one-eyed giants. They were famous for making Zeus's thunderbolts and Poseidon his trident. Cyclop, Cyclopes. Yes, Cyclops. Cyclop, Cyclopes. Like Octopodes. All right, I've uh, got a, a hard one there for Kieran. Uh, the blanks were flying creatures with sharp fangs and claws who hunted down murderers. There were three main... <laughs> I already said the name, sorry. There were three named blanks who were sisters. Eletto, Tissiphone, and Margera. The blanks is actually a Roman name. The Greeks called them blanks. I'm not going to say they were... Are they satyrs? Uh, they're not, no. Okay, oh, Wolf. Um... Is it well? You you've confused me now with the Roman name. Is it um? Is it the Furies? It is the Furies. Well done. I never heard of these. They're the ones who sing uh, the Green Fields of France. <laughs> I thought they were the ones that dress up as, as animals and meet online. Oh no! Yes. That's... <laughs> um. All right. Sorry. So that was Kieran guest. Kieran passes. It's, it's this one is for Wolfton. Uh, Wolf. The blank was a combination of a lion and an eagle. And the body of a lion and the head, wings, and talons of an eagle. Uh, Griffin. Griffin, well done. 
crazy pun. Uh, one Kieran, the blank were flying creatures with faces of women. The blanks are famous for stealing the food of Phineas every time he tried to eat. Uh, harpies? Harpies, that is correct. Uh, strange story here. So, uh, so Jason and the Argonauts were going to kill the harpies when the goddess Iris intervened and promised the harpies would not fit one of other Phineas anymore. A nice ending. That's nice. We're going to kill them for stealing his food. Ah, they just—they won't do it. Leave them, lads. Leave them. They're not going to do it anymore. Let's go home. Uh, all right. <laughs> the wolf. Uh, the blank was a fearsome monster from Greek mythology. It was a giant snake with nine heads. The problem was, if you cut off one head, more quickly grow back in its place. It is the Hydra. Well done. Well done. Well um, done. Ridiculous. <laughs> Brizzling Hydra. Kieran. Blank was a type of Greek monster called the Gorgon. Oh, this is kind of, kind of gave away already. You had a one space. Yes. Raska, well done. Um, yeah. All right, another very easy one for... This is for children, okay? Uh, another easy one for Wolf. Uh, the blank had a head of a bull and a body of a man. And I'm not going to read anymore because you're not a child. It's a minotaur. Minotaur, well done. Uh, I mean, there's some strange ones towards the end. Okay, so it gets better, don't worry. Here on. Uh, mm-hmm. Blank was a beautiful white horse that could fly. Pegasus? Yes, well done. You see how quick we're going through these? Uh, wolf. Uh, blank. We're half goat, half men. They're peaceful creatures who love to have a good time. Satyrs. Satyrs, yeah. Satyr, wait. Satyr, wait. All right, there's a strange one now. Kieran. Blank was a terrible sea monster with 12 long tentacle legs and six dog-like heads. Oh, I don't... Uh, Kraken? I don't know. No, it's, it's not Kraken. Uh, David Wolf. No, I don't know. This is a Skyla. S-C-Y-L-L-A. Maybe one of those is uppercase I. No, it would be uppercase I. Skyla. Uh, I'm trying to, I'm struggling to picture what this looks like. I mean, it's, are these like wolf heads or are they like pug's heads or? I think it's. Uh... It just kind of looks like a, like a, like a watery Medusa after Google it. <laughs> watery Medusa. Yeah, kind of eely, uh, eel style Medusa. That's very strange. Oh, no, wait, that's just a terrible like Pinterest picture. Yeah, it just looks like a, like a water hydra basically. Okay. Okay. No, 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 nothing too fancy here. Um, this was so. This was for Wolf. Now the blank were sea nymphs who lured sailors to crash in rocks on their islands with their songs. Uh, the the sirens. Very good. Um, uh, over to Kieran. Uh, the blank had a body of a lion, the head of a woman, and the wings of an eagle. Is that a chimera? Uh, it is not. Damn. Good. Can you describe it again? The body of a lion, the head of a woman, and the wings of an eagle. Oh, a sphinx. Sphinx, very good. Oh, of course, damn. Yeah, it's funny how there's so many sphinxes, there are sphinges in, in Magic Gathering that uh, don't have don't have women's heads. Can I just say um, it's uh, absolutely disgraceful that there are male sphinxes in uh, Magic Gathering. Oh, it's terrible. It's PC culture gone mad. <laughs> it really is. And, uh, and and the satyrs don't have giant throbbing erections like they do in real mythology. That upset me. That upset me. <laughs> Um, they they really did. It's actually not mentioned on this children's quiz, so uh, it's, oh, that also upsets me. I'm, I'm <laughs> the last one. Um, the one's for Kieran because he's behind. Uh, blank was perhaps the scariest and most powerful of all the monsters <laughs> of Greek mythology. <laughs> okay. Such an objective objective description was definitely the scariest and most powerful. <laughs> he was called the father of all monsters, and even the gods, even the gods were scared of Blank. Only Zeus could defeat Blank. He had the monster imprisoned underneath Mount Etna. Godzilla. It is not Godzilla. No. David Wolf. Uh, Sauron. 
Um, imprisoned underneath Mount Etna. Uh, I thought someone else was put there. Um, is it? It's either. I don't remember which one is the father and which one is the mother, but it's Typhon and Echidna. Uh, incorrect. It's Walking Blister. Oh. No, only joking. It's it's Typhon. It's Typhon. Very good. I never heard of Typhon until until I read this. Yeah. Very good. Well, in this case, the lion has defeated the. No, sorry. Which one's David? <laughs> the wolf has defeated the lion. Sorry for the the the, the slow roll there, Kieran. Yeah. Uh, the wolf, uh, the the Skyla has defeated uh, the Griffin. Wolf thing defeated the lion thing. Yeah. All right, I got a bone up. We'll do Roman mythology next week, and we can both study. Okay. Yeah. Yes. Rome up. Rome up. Oh, Jesus. Get Christ. roamed. All right. That's it. Goodbye. Bye. Bye.